You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Welcome to our uh, seventh week on our series, Worldview. This is actually a series on uh, the Word of God. Uh, we're talking about the Bible for the past seven weeks. So if you join us for the first time, we'd like to uh, welcome you to our services. My name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this uh, particular congregation. And uh, we'd like to invite you also to download our podcast. Uh, if you have uh, uh, an app in your iPhone or tablet or any uh, your digital device, you can download it, uh, Victory Alabang app, and uh, you can actually enjoy the podcast uh, in the previous uh, weeks that you're talking about the, the word view. As I said, we are on week number seven, and we have been talking about the Bible. I, uh, I am praying that all of us are getting uh, deeper in our study of scriptures and that we are more and more committed or devoted to reading the word, uh, meditating it, and uh, applying the, the word of God in our daily lives. One of my favorite verses that I memorized as a young believer is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful in all that you do. People are so um, committed to becoming successful. They make plans. They make all the goals that they can actually set for their families, for their business, for their career, for their job. Uh, they want the benefit of the Word of God. But, you know, one of the things that we can see is, you know, the promise of God is dependent on our uh, obedience to it. And I believe that uh, the more you read the Word of God, the more you'll find out that He has a certain way of viewing the world. That's why we've entitled this sermon, Word View. The way you view the world is impacted by the way that you view Scripture. It will change your life. It will change your your, uh, mindset. It will change the way you think. It will change your heart towards relating to other people. Okay, and so when you talk about the Word, the Word is inspired by God. It's not just an empty book that we read, uh, that we read uh, you know, every time that we actually open up our Bibles in church. It is the Word of God. It is inspired by Him. The Bible says, uh, it is God breathed, breathed out by God. That every word spoken came from the very mouth of God. That's why, you know, you see the picture in uh, the book of Genesis when he created the, the universe, that he merely spoke the word. When he said, let there be light. Poof. Poof. And there was light. And I believe that the same power that God used in creating the universe is the same power that is being used in transforming your life and mine. You know, God's word has a transforming power. It is inspired by Him. Another thing we've learned in the past few weeks is that God's Word is infallible. Everybody say infallible. Yeah, okay. Infallible means, or infallibility means it's reliable, it's trustworthy, you can bank on it, it's bankable. Okay. Another thing is, one of the doctrines of the Word of God or the Scripture is it's inerrant. It's incapable of making a mistake. It's always right. It's always pure. 
One particular guy said, oh, the word of God is like my wife. It's inf- she's infallible and she's inerrant. Never makes a mistake. She's always right. Anyway, so let's not go there, okay? So the word of God is infallible. It's inerrant. It's incapable of making an error. We talked about the canonicity of the scripture. We talked about the 66 books. Who decided on this? Somehow God has been divinely uh, sovereign in putting all the 66 books in the whole Bible. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And each one of them, though they are written in about a span of 1,500 years by 40 authors, they have one unified theme and message. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the very beginning of Genesis, we can see bits and pieces and foreshadowing, pointing to the actual coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is a common theme. If you want to understand what this book is all about, simple lang. Try to read it. Don't take my word for it. Go and dive and read it, explore it, meditate on it. The Word of God is also sufficient for life. Everybody say sufficient. Everything that you and I need for life and godliness is found in the Word of God. And today we're going to be looking at the perspicuity of the Word of God. Everybody say perspicuity. Well, and I lost you there, right? Let's change that, okay? It's one, one, of the, uh, one of the attributes of the Word of God is said to be it is perspicuous, okay? In a, perspicuous, in, okay? Or it is clear. Sabi ko na lang clear, okay? Mas madali yung clarity, right? Okay, so I'm just trying to be a scholarly here. But that was really one of the first things that the scholars did in the early church. They were calling this particular attribute or doctrine of the Word of God the perspicuity of the Scripture. Sobrang highfalutin, hindi mo maintindihan what is it, okay? It's so ironic. You're just talking about the clarity of the Scripture. And so we're going to be looking at the clarity of the Word of God. Is the Scripture clear and understandable to the ordinary reader? How many of you have had some challenges in reading the Word of God? You know, sometimes you're reading a particular Scripture and it's, you know, it's not as clear as you would want it to be. There are some parts in the Bible that are clear, Right? That you are to have one wife, that you are not to steal, that you're not to kill, uh, that you are to you know, honor your father and mother because it is the first commandment with a promise. So there are parts of the Bible that are so clear. You know, it's just boom, plain and simple, easy to understand. But there are some parts that are uh, maybe a bit of a challenge. What about the Levitical law? What about the book of Numbers? You know, something like, oh, wow, here am I. I'm journeying through this particular book right now. And what does this law mean? Or, you know, do not eat pork or something like that. Do not eat unclean meat. I just had ceasing for lunch. Something like that. Okay, so how do I reconcile the scripture that I've read with the lifestyle that I have? And so there are some, or possibly some parts in the Bible that you have some questions. With that, we'd like to invite you also to our training February 27, Segway. Okay, anyway, so it's smooth. Okay, uh, established training, how to study the Bible, how to study the Scripture. We'd like for you to explore the Word of God. We'd love for you to open up the Word, you know, how to interpret it, how to study it, how to read it, how to observe, how to do some application in the Word. So please take note of the date, Feb 27, Tuesday, 7 to 9 p.m. I think this is for free. Okay, so how to study the 
Bible. We hope to see you all there. We're all going to have the different locations. Join us in one. Uh, by the way, that's going to be once again in the Victory Center in Festival Mall. Okay? So let's go ahead and dive into the Word. Let's look at Psalm chapter 119. Just two verses from the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Let's bow heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would anoint every word that's going to be spoken, Lord, here from this pulpit. Anoint also our ears and our heart that we may receive from you today, that we may not just gain knowledge but that we may gain a heart of understanding to obey what is written in your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you'll bless everyone here today. Change our perspective and our view of the world through the way we view the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I guess if you are like me, um, you know, a student of the word of God, as I said earlier, sometimes we get challenged by some of the texts or the parts of the Bible that we are reading. But when you talk about clarity of scriptures, what does that really mean? Does that really mean that all the parts in the Bible is just so easy to understand that even a young toddler can go and figure it out? Or is it really designed that there are it's a portion of the purpose for what, why it was sent to us is that what is supposed to be clear? So let's look at the definition of, from systematic theology, it says the clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all. Everybody say all. All who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to what? To follow it. So the whole purpose of why God wants to communicate to us as a people is not so that you and I will prosper, or you and I will be blessed. That's part of it. But ultimately, the reason why God wants to make everything clear is so that you and I can obey and follow it. When you talk about salvation, we're going to be looking at that in the next series on soteriology. Uh, it's so clear how one ought to be saved. It's all clear there, laid out in the scripture. It's not about good works. It's all about the grace of God through faith in the works of Christ on the cross. So, you know, the, the essentials that we need are all very clear because it is spiritually discerned. All who read it as we seek God and our attitude should be that, an attitude of humility. It should be an attitude of, you know, Lord, I want to learn and I want to know you more and I want to know you know, what your word is saying, not so that I can engage in a debate, not so that I can gain more knowledge, because if that is our motive, I think we're getting it all wrong. The whole purpose of why we want to go to the scripture and why we want to learn more about it and understand it plainly and clearly is so that we may be careful to do everything that is written in it. How many of you are familiar with Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission? Go and make, that's right, go and make disciples, not make decisions, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, and it did not stop there. It says, teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey. And so that's the whole purpose of discipleship. 
It's following Jesus. It's obeying His Word. It's knowing clearly what is written in the Word of God. Dr. Roy Zuck, the senior professor from Dallas Theological Seminary, said this thing about clarity. Bible scholars sometimes refer to the perspicuity. There you see that word again. Perspicuity. Can you read that word? One, two, three. Perspicuity. I want you to memorize that word and use that tomorrow in your office, okay? So that your office mate will say, oh, wow, you're so intelligent. When you do a presentation tomorrow, am I perspicuous? You know, you ask that question, okay? Wow, where did that come from? Okay, from church. Okay, but anyway, so, you know, refer to the perspicuity clearly expressed or clearly understood. That's exactly what it means, okay? Perspicuous or clarity means plain to the understanding, especially because of clarity and precision of presentation. That's what perspicuity is all about. There's a clarity in the clearness and the precision of the presentation of the Word of God. When you look at the Bible, how many of you know that our God is the ultimate master planner and designer? That He actually arranged each book in order that it can actually be understood by those who read from the book of Genesis to the last book in Revelation. And He said this, and I quote, the fact that the Bible is a book means it is to be read and understood. As God's written revelation, the Bible reveals to us His character, His plans, and His standards. The human authors whose writings were given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote to be what? To be understood, not to confuse or be muddled. As Martin Luther affirmed, the priesthood of the believers in First. Peter chapter 2, verse 5, where he declares, you are a royal priesthood. It means that the Bible is accessible and understandable by all Christians. How many of you are Christians here? Can you please raise your hand? That's it. If you are a Christian and the Holy Spirit is in you, you are able to read and understand the Word of God with clarity. Amen po ba? You know, you can actually do that. You can handle it. When you read the Word of God, it depends on your attitude in the way that you open, you know, when you word of the Word of God. You know, sometimes you flippantly just open the Scripture and say, ah, this is a boring book. Actually, it is not a boring book. It actually has some wild stories there. And the producers nowadays are filming it. It's, it comes from the Word of God. There are some amazing stories facts that happened in the past. These are not fairy tales or fables written by, you know, by, by fiction writers. These are actual events. Some of them are future events about to be fulfilled. Second coming, for example. So, you know, when you talk about the Word of God, it is meant by God to reveal His will to us, to be clear to us, and not to confuse us. In the Dark Ages, basically the organized church at that time, which is the Roman Catholic Church, basically said this and they espoused this belief that authentic interpretation is assigned only to an elite few. And the Roman Catholic Church contends that Scripture is not sufficiently clear in itself and would need to be explained by unwritten apostolic tradition. Thus, they organized a body that is called the magisterium, 
and you can actually research on that, which is composed of the Pope and those bishops that are surrounding him at the Vatican. To prevent likely misunderstanding and misapplication, then only the authoritative and binding interpretation of the magisterium is to be accepted. They've actually elevated the tradition of the, the uh, particular body, the magisterium, to be at the same level of anointing and authority as the scripture itself. So somehow, the scripture is not on top of the church, but the church has the same and equal footing with the scripture. Now, this is flawed. We've been talking about the authority of the scripture, and the scripture is the final authority over our lives. Amen. We are not equal with the scripture. The scripture is above us. The scripture can dictate what, how we live our lives. The scripture is tantamount to the word of God. In fact, it is not only the word of God, it is God himself. John chapter 1 verse 1 talks about in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he is with God in the beginning and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Every time we come to church and the word of God is preached, Jesus is here. That's how fearful we are as pastors to approach the scripture as we preach this word on Sundays because we don't just Take this lightly. This is breathed out by God himself. So for us to be able to align it with the tradition of the elders as co-equal with the word of God, I think there's something flawed there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 5, you nullify the word of God in place of your traditions. And he rebuked the Pharisees during that time. Somehow this particular view uh, espouses the idea of the Old Testament priesthood, which was ultimately abolished at the cross. Remember, in the Old Testament, there's a high priest that goes to the temple on behalf of the people. Remember that? They will sacrifice on behalf of the people. They will do uh, sin offerings and fellowship offerings and all the guilt offerings and, you know, make katai the bull, make katai the goat, Okay. Okay, for those of you who are uh, English majors, uh, katai means kill, okay, or slaughter, okay? So they slaughter this bull or this goat, and they sacrifice on behalf of the people. Guess what? When Jesus died, breathed his last, and he spoke this word, it is finished, and he died on that cross. What happened to the temple veil in the temple court? There was a big curtain dividing the Holy of Holies with the other parts of the temple, and that veil was divided, ripped apart from top to bottom, signifying that from this day on, you don't need a high priest to come to me. I am opening the gate for every believer to come to the Father because each one is a priest unto the Lord. Come on now. Can we just appreciate God for giving us the access? And this is now called the priesthood of the believers that you and I are priests unto the Lord. You don't need a special person or a pastor or a victory group leader or our bishop, Manny Carlos, or Bishop Ferdy, the running bishop, in order for you to reach out to God. Please don't come to me as your mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. You and I are on the same plane when it comes to access with God. 
we're on the same boat. I go to God, you go to God, and that is the priesthood of the believers. They call it sola scriptura. Everybody say sola scriptura. The reformers claim sola scriptura, that scripture is not only sufficient enough, but it's also clear enough to be understood by the common believer, the common man. And thus, they try to translate the scripture from the Latin Vulgate into the language that is understandable by the people at that time. One of the first uh, reformers who actually translated the Bible is known as William Tyndale. And he is an English Bible scholar who is very brilliant, knows seven different languages. And this is his passion. If God spares my life, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. What a bold statement. And he made the point that the scripture is supposed to be read and understood by the common man. And the reason why it was called Dark Ages during that time is because it was dark and there's no light of the Word of God. That's exactly in contrary to what we have just read as our text this afternoon. Later on, William Tyndale was executed because he thus translated the Bible into English and made it available to the masses. This is called the Chain Bible. It was published in England, and the Great Bible was the first authorized translation of the Bible into English. Up till then, it had been illegal to print or distribute English Bibles in England. How many of you know that today, 2018, times have changed? You and I own multiple Bibles. You all have different translations. You have a Bible in your car. You have a Bible in your home. You have a Bible in your office. You have a Bible in your phone with different translations. You download the U version. You have all the translation necessary for your convenience. But the question is, are we reading the Word of God so that we can actually apply it in our lives? I hope we do. People have laid their lives, laid down their lives in order for you to have that scripture in your hand. Peter said this, and he was, I guess, even clarifying, he's a human like us. And he said, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are what? Hard to understand. Wow. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scripture. Now, if Peter, who was one of the big three, who so close to Jesus, who saw Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, would actually say that there are some things that are hard to understand. He's like, what? What about ordinary believers just like us? He is just being honest. That there are some portions here that are hard to understand. So the question goes back to us. Is clarity a reality? And is it a possibility? The answer is both a resounding yes. Clarity is a reality, and clarity is also a big possibility. It really depends on how you approach the Word of God. God's Word is never intended to be unclear or ambiguous because God's Word, our clarity, is both a gift and 
a task. Two things that I want to just point out, and I've laid down that doctrine of clarity ahead before the application of the word. Clarity is a gift. Everybody say, a gift. You know, we realize that when you talk about being clear, yes, there's a certain effort that we need to do, but ultimately it's a gift from God. It's like a two-way communication. You know, we, we want to be clear with the people that we're, you know, uh, talking to. You know, there's always some physical barriers every time you speak. You know, if you are married just like me, you probably would understand, would be able to relate to that, what I'm saying. Sometimes you talk about a certain issue and you are not, you're not meeting on the same wavelength. How many of you have actually experienced that? You know, you're, you're talking about an issue and mamaya nag-aaway na kayo because, you know, you're, you're looking at a different angle. She's looking at a different angle and both of you are not just communicating properly. Remember a story of an elderly couple in their 80s and they were enjoying uh, the sunset. They're sitting down in their porch and the older gentleman is telling his wife, Sarah, I'm proud of you. And the wife talked talk, uh, talk back at him and he said, and I'm tired of you too. You know, they couldn't, you know, because, maybe because of human barriers or physical impediments, you know, sometimes you can't really, you know, understand what is being broadcasted. It can be a physical barrier. It can actually be a language barrier. Remember a story of a, you know, a young naval officer from a German coast guard. And uh, he's now being trained to take over the bridge of this uh, particular vessel. And so on his first day of work, he was testing out all the equipment there. And he received a distress signal. And, uh, you know, the other uh, vessel was actually asking for help. It's from an American vessel. And this American vessel is saying, uh, Mayday, Mayday, we are sinking. We are sinking. And the German uh, uh, Coast Guard uh, officer said, uh, Hallo? Uh, this is the German uh, Coast Guard? What are you saying again? And the other guy is saying, We are sinking, we are sinking. And he said, uh, What are you sinking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> miscommunication. Language barriers. Sometimes, you know, we look at the Word of God and our attitude is, ah, hirap naman ito. You know, I can't understand what this Word is saying. But clarity is ultimately a gift. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. When the Word came in, clarity came in as well. You know, my, one of my, actually my eldest daughter, Bea, has a, has a quirk or has a, a thing with natural light. You know, she, I don't know if it's a millennial thing or, just, or an artist thing, but she just likes natural lighting. You know, at, uh, you know, during the morning when she goes down to the kitchen, when the lights are on like incandescent or, you know, our middle light is on, she will just turn it off. And she will say, I want the natural light. And I will tell her, Anak, I'm 50 years old. I cannot see anything. <laughs> Mawaka. And one time we were uh, checked in a hotel. The whole family was in the same room. And, you know, I was ahead of them. And I was reading my Bible. I opened the lamp in, the, in front of me. And so some of the room lights was on. And finally she woke up. And what she did was she turned off my lamp 
And she opened the window. And she said, Dad, go for natural light. I said, okay, te, easy lang. But there's, you know, when you talk about natural light, we, we love the light. Because the light actually shows us the way. And that is what the Word of God really is. The Scripture is clear because the Scripture is light. The source of light is God Himself because God is light. When He speaks something, guess what? He is so clear with what He wants to communicate to us. Psalm 119 verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you feel that you are missing the way, guess what? As you read the word, the, the, the light of God's word will actually illuminate your path. In the second part of that verse, it says, it imparts understanding to the simple. Last week we talked about what simple means. Simple means the opposite of wise. Simple is not a lifestyle. You know, I want to live simply. Simple means open-minded. Simple means that you believe anything. You're gullible. You just believe all the lies out there. But the Bible says, the Word of God gives understanding even to those who are simple. It makes you wiser than your teacher. The Scripture is clear enough to be understood by anyone and be applied in his life. That's how simple the Word of God is. It's a gift given to us by God. We can't do this apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the apps that I use for studying the Word is called Logo Software in my laptop. And there's a feature of this software where it says, Ask the Author. You can actually, you know, if you are stuck in a certain whatever, uh, there is actually a feature if you're reading a book or a literature or a commentary, if they're still alive, okay? It says there, you can ask the author. And you can have like a, you know, a, a chat with the author. When I was in uh, our class in, in Masters in, in Wheaton, uh, we were reading some books for our requirement. And our professor, Ed Stetzer, basically um, invited some of the authors of the book that we are reading via Skype or FaceTime. And what a neat class because as we were reading the books, we were able to ask the author, you know, and we were asking, you know, by the way, what is, what is it that you mean in chapter 5 when you said this statement, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we can do that with human authors, but have you actually tried asking the author of this book when you are a bit stuck in a certain passage? It has its feature. Ask the author. You can actually say, Holy Spirit, teach me thy ways. Teach me your word, God. Help. I need your understanding in this particular situation. And he will be there to illuminate and to give light in your dark path. Amen. That's the beauty of uh, you know, God just allowing us to enjoy His Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, it says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are what? Spiritually discern is it possible 
But maybe the reason why a person does not understand the Word of God is maybe because he still has a natural mind. But the Bible says, if you're a Christian, God's Spirit lives in you. You can actually use or ask the author and you, uh, ask the Spirit of God to discern what the, Spirit, uh, what the Scripture is actually talking about. It is so simple that even the young kids can actually learn from this. Spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord? so as to instruct Him. But we have what? We have the mind of Christ. You and I have the mind of Christ. The Scripture is clear in the essential matters of faith and salvation. In the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about, let this word be near you, impress them upon your children, whether they sit in the house, whether they lie down, whether they walk, or whatever they're doing. If God is expecting us to impress and impart this Word of God to our children, how many of you know that that ought to be a very simple, clear instruction from the Word of God? Yesterday, I was actually talking to one of my daughters. She's not here. Okay, One of my younger daughters. I'm not going to say the name. For anonymity and for her dignity okay, and protection. But we've been dealing with this issue of obedience and respect in the home. Shirley told me, love, can you give her the rod? I said, wala na eh. You know, she's like, she's bigger than me. <laughs> but I said to her, let me talk to her and appeal to her conscience. We've gotten past that stage of us being able to give the rod already because we have grown kids. Okay, so all three girls are grown up. Especially Bea. I cannot give her the rod anymore. Okay, So, this daughter of mine, basically, I said, come to the room, I'm going to talk to you. So it was a daddy pep talk. Okay? So I told her, you know, um, word came to me that you are disrespectful and you are doing this and you're not obeying. And so, so I actually just started quoting verses from the Bible and allowing the word of God you know, uh, defend me or, you know, work on, on, on my behalf instead of me trying to... How many of you know that doesn't work? You can actually do... You can actually end after one hour of... And you are mad at each other and nothing happened. But what I did was, Anak, the Bible says, Siguro in her mind, eto na naman si daddy preacher. Preacher. But she was just very compliant. And I said, you know, we have a limited time in our life. Relationships are so important. You know, obedience is the key to joy. And I was talking about blah, 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 blah. And all she's saying is, yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. So at the back of my mind, hmm, it's working. Okay. Yes, daddy. Okay, now I want you to do this. I want you to go back to each one of the people that you've hurt in this house, starting from your mom. Go right now and be reconciled. So she went down right away. And according to Shirley, this is the version of what happened. Shirley was actually now in the kitchen cooking beef 
for lunch and she roasted this beef and it was just so oozing with juice and you know all the all the herbs and spices are right there in the oven she brought it out and so this girl of mine was a bit distracted but she looked at her mom and said mom sorry and so mom just a bit, did a bit of follow-up on what i was saying up there and so she said you know what blank uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading this book. You know, I'm reading this book and, you know, there is really a secret to joy and flourishing. And that is exactly what dad is talking about. Blank. What is the secret? Blank is the path to joy and flourishing. And without batting an eyelash, this girl of mine said, Beef! Beef is the path to joy and flourishing. Of course, she's making a joke. But I think she got the point. What was the point? The point is even our young children can understand and engage with the Word of God. This morning when we were going to church, on our way to church, her attitude is a lot, lot better. Clarity is a gift. Lastly, clarity is what? It's a task. There's a certain effort that you and I must do in order for us to bring out uh, an understanding of the Scripture. Okay? First, the Holy Spirit, of course, gives us the ability to interpret, understand, read. But at the same time, in the fear of God, we're to approach the Word with hunger. And it says in verse 131, uh, uh, Psalm 119, I open my mouth and pant. Okay? Of course, it's not literally opening your mouth. Ah, but this means that the attitude of this psalmist is that he is always hungry for the Word of God. This word pant is taken from a reference as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you as a thirsty deer is going for the streams of water and is panting for you know uh, for a drink because he's thirsty that is supposed to be the attitude that we have in approaching the word of god amen clarity is both a gift and a task and it says here because i long for your commandments now how many of us really enjoy obeying commandments Okay? Praise God. Okay? <laughs> I see heads that are nodding. Yeah, I enjoy the commands. The reality is, First John chapter 5 talks about if anyone loves God, he obeys his commands because his commands are not burdensome. But are the commands of God really not burdensome? If you are spirit-filled and if the Holy Spirit has been working in your life, transforming you, guess what? Obeying God is almost like second nature to us already. He uses the word to transform us and to renew us. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Let's all read this out loud. All across the different rows. One, two, three. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best. Make every effort, in another translation, make every effort to present yourself 
right before the Lord as you uh, rightfully handle the word of truth. The scripture, it's not only be, uh, able to under, be understood, but it's also uh, clearly, it can actually be clearly taught to other people as well. You can teach it to a young person. You can teach it to your children. You can teach it to another person that you're discipling. I remember the story of Philip when he saw this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, and this eunuch was actually one of the officials of Ethiopia. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 27, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Philip. Iba. Okay? The chariot was moving. He was running with the chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Perspicuity. Is it clear with what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the rest is history. Philip explained what was written in Isaiah. Eventually, after their meeting, the Spirit of God took Philip and transported him into another place. And this Ethiopian eunuch went back to his country called Wakanda and started the tribe called Black Panther. I don't know. That's another story. Okay, uh, I got confused. Sorry. Um, uh, he went back to Ethiopia. And guess what? They were saying that the major revival that's happening in Africa has actually been caused by this eunuch that Philip met on that road in the first century. God is amazing. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand for what He's doing in all the nations? Of course, this position can be taken into an extreme by another person and says, okay, I have the sole revelation to be able to teach the Word of God to another person. Claiming revelation from the Holy Spirit to authenticate that is not necessarily validated by the church. That's why there are cults and there are denominations that are not aligned to the Word of God. Have you ever wondered if the Scripture is clear? Then why are there cults? then why are there, you know, founders of cults just like this guy's? They have all these different ideas of, you know, their interpretation of Scripture. And what it says, somehow, according to a study, that at a very young age, during their teenage years, they had a spiritual dilemma. They were not able to engage properly with the Scripture and ask a person in authority, thus some of the truths were deviated because they started interpreting it in accordance to their own liking and their own doing. Instead of asking the author, someone even claimed that he is the son of God based in the South. There are so many other cults that came out for so many number of decades and centuries. The question is, Who's next? If we are not able to handle the Word of God accurately, and if your pastors in victory start preaching about an unorthodox message 
that you can actually be saved now by doing good works, that you can actually marry not just one person. You know, there's one particular guy who's a cult leader uh, by the name of David Koresh, and he's espousing them, uh, you know, that I can get married with anyone I want in the congregation because that is an assignment or a gift of God to me. I mean, if you start hearing things like that from your leaders, it's time for you to move to another church. In order for us to keep the accuracy and the clarity of the Scripture, we need to stay in the orthodoxy or the doctrines that is being taught by the church, the evangelical church at large. That's why I want to go back again to this Scripture in the Good News Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Do your best to win full approval in God's sight. As a worker who is not ashamed of his word, one who correctly teaches the message of God's truth. That's why I want to invite you to join us on February 27 as we handle the Word of God accurately. And let's all study the Bible together. Let's all learn how to read the Word, how to observe the Scripture. That when you actually engage in a Word, you, you ask the question, what does this passage say? Don't just look at the name. Look at the term of that particular verse and so on and so forth. Check the language. Check the genre. Check if it's a narrative. Check if it's a prophecy or a prose or a poetry. And read according to such. Interpretation. What does the passage mean? What are we talking about? What is the most popular verse in the whole Bible again? John 3.16, right? And what is John 3.16? I am the way, the truth, and the... No, no, no. For God so loved the world, right? And so we're familiar with that. But when you're talking about interpretation, don't just stick to one verse. Study the neighborhood. Read the whole chapter 3 of John and find out that he's referring to a person named Nicodemus. As he's meeting Nicodemus, he was asking Jesus, how can I be born again or what must I do to have eternal life? And three times Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And then proceeded in verse 16, for God so loved the world. So we gain a better understanding. And the ultimate question is, what am I going to do about it? Application. The word is clear because our motive is not just to read it, but to follow and obey it. Last verse and then we're going to be praying. Luke chapter 24 says, and this is the time when Jesus met his disciples in the upper room right after the resurrection. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45 is what is key. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We need the spirit of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Word of God. The clarity of the Scripture is both a gift and a task for us that God has entrusted so that we can actually learn about it, meditate on it, and be careful to do everything that is written in it. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand this afternoon? Can we just bow, bow our heads right now? Can you lay your hands on your heart? One of your hands. Lay your hand on your heart. Lord, I just ask that you would help us. Give us a divine understanding of the Word of God. First, give us a, a hunger, an insatiable desire to know what it means. Lord, make 
the word and the scripture be clear for us so that we can be careful to do everything that is written in it. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, you will enable us to understand and give us the devotion and the love and the affection for the word of God. And make a decision, Lord God, that Lord, indeed it is so difficult for us to leave home without it. Our life depends on it because these words that come from your mouth is life for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.